And I will fear, fear no evil For Thou art with me And Thy rod and Thy rod and staff Will surely comfort me When He comes for me morning, Goshen College. Morning. And thank you so much for coming out to Convo today. If you looked at the Convo poster, you will have seen that the topic for today was supposed to be disciplinary perspectives on a current event. I had asked three fabulous professors to be on deck to pick a current event and respond to it through the lens of their discipline. And I hope we still do that in spring. But then other current events hit a little closer to home. And so we decided to pivot the focus for today. As you know, over fall break, our cross-country runner, sophomore nursing major, Ezra Capruto-Koge, was in an accident and died over the weekend. And some of you also know Logan Nussbaum, who is a local Bethany alum, who was also shot over our break and died from his injuries. And this, on top of an already hard fall, as many of us grieved the loss of Peter Shetler, spouse of Jan, our SST director, and a friend and mentor and colleague to many of us. So, it seemed like we needed to shift, like we needed to put down our plans and create a space where we together honor these griefs. Some of us are deeply grieving one or more of the tragedies that I just mentioned. And if you are here today holding the loss of Ezra or Peter or Logan, we see you, we honor your grief, and we hold it with you. And some of you show up on campus every day carrying a different silent grief or trauma that's less publicly shared among all of us. And it sometimes weighs you down like a backpack full of books that are almost too heavy to carry. And if you are here today holding a different silent grief or trauma, we honor it and we hold it with you. And some of you are sitting in this space today doing fine maybe doing well, in fact, and that is okay, too. If that's you, the question I would offer you is this. Who are you called to be in this moment for your classmates, your teammates, your professors, your colleagues? How can you honor their grief and hold it with them? I was talking with a friend of mine who is a hospice social worker, so every day she is involved in walking with families and loved ones who are dealing with death and dying. And she said that as she works with people, she frames grief not as an emotion, but an experience. Grief as an experience that unfolds over time and contains within it this whole variety of emotions 
from sadness to anger to sometimes even peace and contentment. We all move through the experience of grief in different ways and on different timetables. There is no formula, there is no right way to do it. But I offer that concept as a reminder to all of us to create these big spaces of grace for one another where we can show up on any given day as we are holding what we're holding and trust that this community is a soft place to land. So today in this space, we'll hear a short word from President Becky Stoltzfus. We'll sing a few songs together. And then I'll invite you into a ritual of remembrance. And we also will have some time in the fellowship hall with some snacks down there to be together in a more informal way. Becky, thank you for leading us through this complex time. So is my mic on? Oh, it is. <clears throat> oh, thanks. Nothing like friends. I told Suzanne I just wanted to sit and be part of the circle this morning as I spoke because I feel very much in this um, experience with you. And as Suzanne said, just I wanted to begin by recognizing that we're probably all over the place emotionally. Um, some of us perhaps feeling an ocean of grief, and others of us are just fine and downright happy, and thank goodness for that. So whatever you're feeling, that's fine. Uh, you belong here, and this time is for you. For me, personally, I'm doing well, but I am experiencing continuing grief from the pandemic, and the changes and losses in so many contexts, in schools, in churches, in healthcare, in my family and friends. And I feel the death of Peter Shetler, the husband of Professor Jan Bender Shetler, and most recently, really acutely, the death of Ezra. Change and loss are part of being human and being human is, it just feels really hard these days. This is not my first go at grief. And so I know that grief is a familiar companion in the seasons of life. But still, I have a tendency to think that negative or uncomfortable emotions um, are somehow bad, that something is wrong with me if I'm sad or angry, or anxious. But no emotion is bad. Emotions just are. One of my teachers quoted her Jewish grandmother as saying, where is it written that you were supposed to be happy all the time? And we're not. <laughs> I've read that grief is love with nowhere to go. So when we lose something that we love, it makes um, us want to look back or pull back or perhaps not move forward. <clears throat> I just want to go back and get rid of this painful feeling. Can I just rewind, please? I want to go back. 
Another um, phase of grief for me is a kind of numbness or inability to function. Life just hurts too much. I just want to dial it down. So it makes me want to binge watch Netflix. And that's okay in doses. But I know that I will usually feel happier if I get away from the screen or my device. I know myself well enough to know that good choices for me are going for a walk, cooking, journaling, listening to upbeat music, or more recently, playing pickleball. So I wonder what your good choices are. And I wonder if you know them and if you talk about them with your friends. It also helps me to tell someone. So I might say something like, I need you to know that I'm in a downward spiral right now. Help me figure out what to do next. Which is not to say, solve my grief. But when I tell my husband, Kevin, or I reach out to my sisters who live in faraway states and say, I need help right now, that is help itself. It changes me to, uh, to tell um, those loved ones. It just begins to get me on a different path. I understand well the urge to be discreet and the desire to look composed. Those urges are strong for me. But it is also okay to cry or to do whatever you need to do. I recently threw a temper tantrum and walked out of the house. Um, grief can be scary, but you are not going crazy. If we learn how to ride the waves of grief and allow it into our lives, we may find that we are not swept away as we fear, but that we actually slowly find um, light and peace. And thank goodness that when I'm sad, I can walk around and see some of you laughing and longboarding and talking and being happy. Seeing your enjoyment lifts me up. And I know that at other moments, I'm the smiling one on the sidewalk, providing encouragement to you. Over the past 10 days since Ezra's accident, many circles of care took shape. And I want to express my thanks to the cross-country teams, the nursing students and faculty, the host families and community friends, the prayer circles on campus, and in local churches that you might not have even been aware of. You all are amazing. This is an amazing community and the caring responses over the past 10 days and still unfolding have been truly graceful and beautiful. We really are connected. Scientific research is revealing that social connection is the strongest predictor of human happiness. 
But that does not always come naturally to me or perhaps to you. When I am sad, my first instinct is to withdraw. Spending time alone for me is good to a point. But at some point, I need to reconnect. And grief is a complicated thing. Sometimes, when friends ask me how I am, I say, honestly, I am many things right now. Some years ago, I was going through a long period of grief, not a little grief, a big grief. And in that process, I learned that I could be grieving and funny. I could be sad and learning. I could grieve and be joyful. Our hearts know how to do this. We are capable of this. And our having fun and learning and laughing and playing alongside our grief is not disloyal to our loss. It is being wholly human. I think I have shed more tears in the past month than I have in the past five years. And in the past week, I heard Nicola Benedetti, one of the best living violinists, play a 300-year-old Stradivarius violin right over there in Souter Concert Hall. I had a truly inspiring conversation with several students on our cross-country team. And I played pickleball with Kevin, and I won. <laughs> the path of grief is it's loopy. It's useful not to think of it as a line, but as a spiral. It, it keeps looping around, and it, that can make us feel like we're not getting anywhere. Grief takes time, but as we move through it, we can also learn and grow. If that seems unbelievable to you right now, that's okay. You don't have to believe it. But people who study grief and loss say that in time, we may have a greater appreciation of the small and beautiful things in life. We may redefine what we consider important. We may be more able to give and receive kindness. We may focus on the relationships that truly matter and pay less attention to those that are harmful or helpful or unhelpful. We may sense or discover our own inner strength and light. We may grow deeper faith and spiritual understanding. This pattern of growth through loss is what nature teaches us season upon season. The earth, its gravity, its firm foundation beneath our feet is a teacher. And as I said in opening convo, the soil is good here. I'm going to end by quoting a part of a favorite poem of mine entitled Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things, 
feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches on the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread, only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So thank you for this time to slow down and be together this morning. Let's be patient with ourselves and with each other. Let's be complicated and wholly human, more than one thing. And let's stay connected. Let's continue our time together by turning in Voices Together, your purple hymnal. We'll turn to 653. 653, nothing is lost on the breath of God. And we'll have Robin play it through all the way just to help us be familiar with it. And then I'd ask that we sing the first verse all together in unison before we sing in parts. And let's stand in body or spirit.
then that will be followed by a short benediction and dismissal. There are cookies and coffee in the fellowship hall to create a space for us to just be together in a more informal place. I would also invite you, as you leave, to either come forward or go by that door in the back and take a small crocus bulb. Crocuses are some of the first flowers to bloom in the spring, and if you don't know what they look like, I've got a picture of them up here. You can see their pops of color in flower beds when we're all getting tired of winter and just waiting for spring to come. And oftentimes they're planted just right in the middle of a lawn so that we get that brightness. You are invited to plant a bulb today or tomorrow in remembrance of a particular person, just as a general way of standing in solidarity with this community and others who are grieving. There are flags on the north side of the fountain, and there is a white bucket of trowels there as well, plant the bulbs about three inches deep. Those trowels and flags will be there through tomorrow, so do take a bulb today, and if you want to find a different time to go out to that space on your own or with others, there will be some tools out there through tomorrow. And so you can see where we are now, on the north side of the Schrock Fountain is where we'll plant, and you'll see yellow flags. And then down in the Fellowship Hall is where we have coffee and cookies set up. This ritual of planting to honor loss shows up in a lot of traditions and communities. And it is simply a way of affirming the ways in which the life and spirit of those we lose continue with us in all kinds of ways, in our memory, in our community, and in our interactions with one another. Scott will lead us in a final hymn, and then I'll lead us in a closing benediction. Let's turn again in voices together to 670. Just a few pages further than we were. 670, in the bulb there is a flower, 670. Robin will play a short intro.
invite you to leave in relative silence to continue to hold the space together as we transition into whatever's next. Robin will also play us out of the space. Again, there are bulbs here and at the back, coffee and cookies there, and a spot to plant on the north side. Receive these words. Thus says your God who created you, who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. For I am your God. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you.